Wasn't it great to hear what God's been doing through Chloe? Wasn't that cool? Anybody else have Hindus or, or Buddhists or atheists that you go to school with or you work with or that live nearby? Isn't it cool to think about how God could use us to be salt and light in their lives? Well, like I said, we're continuing with what we've been calling the salt and light project. But we said that Jesus says we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world, which means he isn't calling us to run and hide from the world or to go and attack the world. He's calling us to be in the world and to represent him and be agents of healing, to be agents of peace, and to be agents of truth within this broken world. And so it's a very appropriate day today, I think, to kind of kick off what we're calling the salt and light summer, the summer of, of salt and light. What does it look like to be salt and light as we approach whatever we have going on this summer? It's a really appropriate day to do that. I don't know how many of you are aware of this, but today is actually a pretty important holiday. Does anybody know what today is? It's not a very well-known uh, holiday for Westerners, but today is actually a very one of the three most important Jewish holidays. It's the Feast of Weeks, okay? And it's better known by, you might be more familiar with its Greek name, which is the Feast of Pentecost. Okay, and the reason we're talking about Pentecost and the story behind Pentecost today is because as we think about being salt and light, 2,000 years ago during the festival of Pentecost, recorded in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit showed up and did something really powerful through the brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. And that same Holy Spirit is inside each and every one of us today who's a disciple of Christ. And that same spirit wants to empower you, wants to empower me, wants to empower us to be salt and light this summer. So we're gonna do three things today. First of all, we're gonna look at the story of Pentecost from Luke 24 and then Acts 1 and 2. And we're not gonna read it in detail, but I'm gonna kinda give you the background so we can kinda catch up. Then we're gonna look at the result of Pentecost by opening up the text and looking at Acts 2. And then we're gonna talk about how we can be part of the mission of Pentecost by letting that Holy Spirit empower us to be salt and light this summer, okay? So the story of Pentecost, really the story of Pentecost, it starts with the Passover. See, about 2,000 years ago, the Jewish people in Jerusalem were celebrating the Passover, which is when they would remember how God saved them and brought them out of Egypt. And they would do that by taking a, a, a pure spotless lamb and slaughtering it and then sacrificing it as a way to remember that this lamb died for our sins so we could be saved. Now, one night during the celebration of Passover, while most of the Jewish families were preparing their Passover lamb that they were gonna present 
as the sacrifice, the symbolic sacrifice for their sins. Jesus was in the upstairs room of a house with his disciples. And he took bread and he said, this is my body that's broken for you. And he took wine and said, this is my blood that's poured out for you. And as he was doing that, the disciples might have remembered that this guy named John the baptizer had once said about Jesus that he is the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the earth, the sins of the world. Now, we all know what happened that night. night. Jesus is betrayed. He's arrested. He's crucified. He dies. He's buried in a tomb. And then a couple days go by. Now, on the third day, on a Sunday, which, by the way, is why we worship together as a church on Sundays, because this happened on a Sunday, there were a couple of women who were going to Jesus' tomb to kind of pay their final respects to Jesus. But when they get there, the, the boulder that was over the front of the tomb has been rolled away. And then they go and look inside, and they don't see the corpse. Instead, they see the grave clothes that were supposed to be on the corpse, wrapped around the corpse, folded and laying where the body was supposed to be. And then they turn around, and all of a sudden, there's these two angels that are sitting right there, and they're just freaking out. But the angels say, the angels say, you guys are looking for Jesus? Why are you looking for him here? This is where dead people are. Jesus isn't dead. He's alive. And then the women, they remembered, that's right. He told us that he was going to be crucified, and on the third day he was going to rise. We thought that was just another one of his crazy parables. I guess it was really true. And so they get all excited. They, they rush back. They tell the disciples. The disciples, of course, don't believe him because they're the disciples. But then Peter, he, he, he said, well, I'll go check it out. And he runs to the tomb, and he sees it just like the women told him. So they're like, what's going on? Well, a couple days go by, and one day the 11 apostles are having dinner together. And all of a sudden, Jesus just shows up. He's just there. He didn't come through the door. He, he just appears. And the disciples just freak out. They're like, oh, my gosh, it's a ghost. And Jesus says, it's not a ghost. It's me. It's Jesus. And they said, that's just what a ghost would say. And Jesus said, feel me. Feel my body. Look at, my, look at the, the scars in my hands and in my feet. Look at the wound in my side. It's me. Hey, does anybody have something to eat? And they give him some fish, and he says, we all know a ghost can't eat, right? And so he eats the fish, and they're like, oh, my gosh, it's not a ghost. It's really him. Now, Jesus spent about 40 days with his disciples. And during that time, he basically did two things. First of all, he explained the Bible to them. He, it says that he opened their minds so they could understand the Bible. He opened their minds so they could understand everything in the Old Testament was all pointing to Jesus coming, Jesus dying, and Jesus rising from the dead again. And the second thing that he did is he told them that they were going to be his witnesses. 
his witnesses, that they were going to be the ones who were going to show people what Jesus was like and tell people what Jesus has done for them. Now, the disciples hear this, and they're probably all excited. They're like, oh, my gosh, we see Jesus is risen from the dead, and he's, exp he's explained the entire Bible to us, so we know what to say. You know, we've seen him with our own eyes. They're probably ready to go. But what is the first thing that Jesus tells his disciples to do in the process of being his witnesses? What's the first step? What does he say? He says, Wait wait, Jesus, we know what to say. We're all excited. We're ready to go. What should we do? Wait. Jesus says, wait in Jerusalem because you're going to receive power from heaven. He says, you remember that guy, John the baptizer, that crazy guy that Herod cut his head off? Remember him? You remember how he would take you and, and dunk you in the water? And you come up and you'd be all soaking wet, just you know, dripping with water. Well, you guys are about to get dunked. You're about to get immersed in the Holy Spirit. And he's gonna give you power. And then you're gonna be my witnesses in Jerusalem, which is the city they were in, in Judea, in that region, in Samaria, the neighboring region, and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus goes back to heaven. He goes back to be with the Father. He ascends back into heaven. And about 10, 10 more days go by. So it's about 50 days past the past Passover slash resurrection. Now, the word Pentecost, it literally just means 50 days because it was 50 days after Passover. Now, this was a time where they would celebrate, the, the Jewish people would celebrate the grain harvest. And so there were people from all over the known world people of all different colors, people that spoke all different types of languages that had gathered in Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost. And the disciples, at this point, there were about 120 disciples, the 11 apostles, plus the, the other disciples, there were about 120. And they're, they're having dinner together. They're, they're, they're together in a room. And all of a sudden, they hear this sound. And it gets louder, and it gets louder, and it gets louder. And it's like this tornado is right there. And then it's like the tornado came in the room. And then they see this, this fire in the room there with them. You know, it was kind of like, it was kind of like, you remember on Mount Sinai in Exodus? You remember when the presence of God descends onto Mount Sinai and there's like thunder and smoke and a storm and then there was a fire that came on, on top of the mountain? It was kind of like that. But this fire, it divided into little flames that looked like tongues and came to rest on the heads of every single disciple that was there. But just like the burning bush, it was a burning flame, but it didn't burn them. Instead, what it did is it gave them power. And the disciples, they, they went outside and they, they started to speak in these strange languages. Now, the other people from all over the world that spoke all different types of languages, they heard the sound too. And so when they heard the sound, they came, come running to see what happened. But when they get there, they see these little, you know, podunk, Galilean, 
people, kind of nobodies from the middle of nowhere, uneducated, and, and they, they hear him talking, and they're like, oh my gosh, they're speaking Arabic. Oh my gosh, they're speaking this language, and I can hear them in my language, and they're like, what's going on? And somebody says, you know how these Jews are. We, you know they like their wine. They're probably just had a little bit too much. But Peter stands up, and Peter says, guys, it's only 10 o'clock in the morning. They're not drunk. This is the Holy Spirit. That was a Dumb and Dumber reference, by the way. It's, a, it's only 10 o'clock in the morning. They're not drunk. This is the Holy Spirit. This is what God promised was going to happen. And so he starts telling them about the king. He says, you know that king, that Messiah, that Christ that you've been waiting for? The one that you've been praying for, the one you've been hoping for? Well, that was Jesus. The bad news is that you guys killed him. But the good news is God raised him from the dead. And man, when the people heard this, it just hit them like a punch in the gut. And they said, oh my goodness, what, what should we do? And Peter says, repent. Turn away from your sins, turn to Jesus, be baptized, and you will be saved, you'll be forgiven, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's the story of Pentecost. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 41 says, So those who received his word, that is Peter's word, were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed, all who believed, were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. There's four things I want you to see in this passage. Number one, looking at verse 47, who added people? The Lord. All right, this was the work of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't Peter. Remember, these are podunk, uneducated, nobodies from nowhere. Remember, wait. If Jesus gave you a Bible study where he explained to you the entire Old Testament and said, this is what you're supposed to say, and you had literally seen him after he rose from the dead, do you think you would feel ready to go share the gospel? I think I would. Jesus would say, you're not ready. You might know what to say. You might be excited to say it, but if you don't have the Holy Spirit working through you, you're not ready. 
the Lord added to their, day, to their number day by day those who were being saved. Second of all, it says the Lord added those who were being saved. Those who were being saved. This isn't people from the church down the street like the youth ministry over here, and so they're, they're, coming, they're coming to do church over here instead. This isn't swapping sheep. These are people from all over the known world, people who just, just 50 days before had crucified Jesus that are being saved. Number three, just like Jerusalem at the time of Pentecost, we live in a place today where people are flocking from all over the known world, from Asia, from Europe, from Africa, from South, all over the known world to here. And number four, just like during Pentecost back in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, God's spirit is inside of every one of us who is a disciple of Jesus, and he wants to use you, he wants to use us to be witnesses, to show people who Jesus is, what he is like, and to tell people what he's done. You want to be a part of that? Well, what does it look like specifically for us to be salt and light through the power of the Holy Spirit this summer? Well, let me give you, let me give you three things, okay? Um, go ahead and take out this card. Did you guys get one of these cards when you came in? You got that? Hold it up. Wave your card around. Fan yourself. It's a summer. It's hot. So, um, the first thing, as we think about being salt and light by the power of the Holy Spirit, the first thing I'll say, invest in your Jerusalem. Invest in your Jerusalem. Remember, Jesus said, you will receive power from heaven, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, right? So Jerusalem is the city that they were in. So, so he's saying, you know, stay, stay where, where you are, and just, you know, who should we witness to? Just the, those people, you know, those people around you. You should be witnesses to them. All right, so what is your Jerusalem? Well, we live in a day and time where we don't necessarily know everybody that lives in our city, do we? We don't necessarily run into them. So the way we're defining your Jerusalem, what is your quote-unquote Jerusalem? Your Jerusalem is the people, places, and activities that are going to be a regular part of your life this summer. What are the people, places, and activities that are a part of your life this summer. That's your Jerusalem. That's who God is calling you to be a witness to. Let's think about people. Um, you, you see at the top of the card there, um, see on the, on the back side, you got this kind of nine block grid. Think about your neighbors. Do you know your neighbors' names? You know, I, I know that none of us actually live in this type of situation because the, the parking would be terrible. Um, if this was you and then you were covered on all sides with people. But you know, this is just kind of a, for, for example, you know, I, I know, I'm thinking about myself. Um, so I, I know the people that live, so if I come out my front door, people on this side, I know their names are Craig and Amber. I've only had a couple conversations with them. I know Craig and Amber. I know the people that are on, on this side as I'm coming out my door. I, I think 
they have like a, a big weight bench or something in, in the garage. I promise I'm not a stalker, but, uh, but I, like, I like weight benches. And I think, you know, they, they seem like they, the, the, the guy that lives there seems like he likes to, to work out. That's pretty cool. Uh, I don't know his name. Um, I know that the guy um, behind us, his name is, is Ronnie, because I, I met him one day when our, when our, our daughters were, were playing with his dog a little bit, but that's about it. You know, I know there's a guy kind of across the street on this side that has a, a, a motorcycle that revs it up really loud, especially when Rose is trying to sleep, which is, which is awesome. And, uh, and I'm so excited to be salt and light to that. Um, no, just kidding. Who are your neighbors? Make it your goal. Again, I'm not saying you go and like tell them, ask them like, you know, if you die tonight, you know, did you go to, I'm not saying to do that. You can't do that if you want to. I'm not saying that. I'm saying make it your goal by the end of summer. Know the names of your neighbors. Know their names. It's such a powerful thing when you see somebody, hey, Ronnie, how's it going? Hey, Craig, good to see you. Instead of, hey, dude, hey, man. You know, it's such a, a, a powerful thing when you know somebody's name, okay? Think about places. This is a Matt Rice question that I love, that I've, something I've learned from Matt Rice. Where is, somebody that, where is somewhere that you could be a regular where is somewhere, you know, the cheers, sometimes you got to go where everybody, you know, that thing. Um, some of us are old enough to remember that. Um, where, is, where, is, where is a place that you are a regular, that, that you show up consistently? Okay, you know, maybe for you, maybe it's the park. Maybe it's the playground. Maybe it's your neighborhood pool. Maybe it's a restaurant you like. Maybe it's a grocery store. Maybe it's the, the doctor's office. Maybe it's your favorite coffee shop. Maybe it's the library. Maybe it's the gym or the YMCA. Maybe it's the lake. Maybe it's the beach. Maybe it's somewhere else. It's interesting. When Jesus says, you'll be my witnesses, he doesn't say, you're going to be my witnesses to 10 people. No, he doesn't tell them a number of people. He tells them a place. And he says, you be witnesses and keep being witnesses until all these people here have been witnessed. Right? And then that's when you move on. Right, so what are some places that you could become a regular in a second? This used to not be the way I would think, but you know, Matt's helped me with this. And in a second, I'll tell you about a place um, that God has allowed me to become a regular and some of the th things he's done through that. Number three, what are some activities that you're involved with? You know, maybe it's working out. Maybe it's baseball. Maybe it's story time at the library. Maybe it's soccer. Maybe it's the book club. Maybe it's pickleball. Maybe it's work. Maybe it's the gymnastics team. Maybe it's tennis. Maybe it's the swim team or frisbee golf. Maybe it's that you're getting together with family at a family reunion at Father's Day or July 4th. Maybe you're going on vacation with some family. Maybe it's track out camp. Maybe it's coding ninjas. Maybe it's cars and coffee. Maybe it's people that you chat with online while you're playing video games. Whatever it is, what are the activities that you are involved with? I said that, you know, um, I used to not think about being a regular, but I have more recently. Um, th there was a, so uh, Stefan and Matt Trebbing and Cameron Wellborn and I, we've been meeting um, to do discipleship each week. And we decided, okay, we want to be a regular at a certain place, so we're going to have our meeting there. Now, we decided to meet at this um, bakery called, called Great Harvest. Uh, great harvest on, on Maynard down there. I don't know if you guys have been there before. So probably for about six months, you know, we would show up every Saturday. And, and you know, we, there's a lot of people there. 
we don't know if people are noticing us. You know, we're, we're sitting there, we're reading our Bibles, we're drinking whatever, tea or coffee or having a bagel or something. And uh, two weeks ago, I, I was coming in and the owner of, I, I think she's the owner, her name's Lori, the owner of, of the, uh, the bakery, she's, um, I'm coming to order and she sees the person taking my order and she says, oh, he'll have a, he'll have a peach tea. I'm like, what? Well, he'll have a peach, do you want the peach tea like you always get the hot peach tea? And I'm like, yeah, I think I, I, think I will. And she said, are the other guys coming too? And I was like, yeah, they, they actually are. And so she had been, we didn't notice, we didn't know she noticed, but she had noticed, right? Well, one week ago, as I was walking in, um, I just said, hey, Lori, you know, um, and I, I'd never had a deep conversation with her before, but I said, Lori, um, is there any way that we can pray for you? You know, we're Christians, we get together and pray and study the Bible, is there any way we can pray for you? And she said, you know, Actually, there is. Um, my husband has stage four cancer. And we don't know how much longer he has, and he's in a lot of pain. And we probably sat there for like five minutes, her just kind of pouring out her heart. So I said, I'm sorry to hear that. I'll pray for you. Yesterday, we're having our meeting there. I come in and I say, I asked her husband's name. Her husband's name is Tony. I said, Lori, you know, I've, been, I've been praying for Tony. How's, how's Tony doing? And she said, you know, um, he's, he's been doing a little bit better, but, but you know, we have a four-year-old daughter. I was like, well, I have a four-year-old daughter. That's, that's cool. And she said, well, and Tony just really wants to be able to go to her preschool graduation. But he's not sure if he'll have enough energy to do it. I said, I'm going to pray that Tony will feel good enough to go to his four-year-old daughter's preschool graduation. Okay, just little things like that. Trying to be aware of opportunities to be salt and light. That's number one, is to invest in your Jerusalem. Number two, think like a witness. Think like a witness. As you approach this summer, you know, summer's a time where we have lots of different activities, vacation, whatever it is. Um, what is your attitude as you approach this summer? What is your attitude? I think sometimes we can approach the things we have to do like a consumer. It's not bad to be a consumer. Sometimes we're all consumers to one extent or another. I'm, I was a consumer at Great Harvest. I was consuming their teas, their fine selection of teas. Um, but sometimes when we're, we have the mindset of a consumer, we kind of look at these activities, these people we're, 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 we're um, coming into contact with, these places we're going, and we think, what can I get out of this? And that makes us kind of think, oh, you know, I'm looking forward to this. That'll be a lot of fun, and I'm not sure about that, and, and, and whatever. And we kind of have that consumer mindset. Don't have a consumer mindset, okay? Don't have a passenger mindset. Either I'm just along for the ride. You know, the kids wanted to go to Disneyland. I guess I've got to go. I've, you know, got to babysit, whatever. I'm just along for the ride. Sometimes we might even have, like, a survivor mindset. Like, oh, my gosh, we've got so much to do this summer. I just hope we can make it. Right? I'm just trying to I'm just trying to hold on and hope we can make it. Or maybe we have a savior mindset where we think, I better be on my best behavior because it is my job to save my sister in law. It is my job to 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 tell Lori about Jesus and make her believe. And we get all nervous and we get all scared or we get all preachy and judgmental, right? Don't think like a consumer. Don't think like a, like a passenger, like a tag-along. Don't think like a savior because 
we know the Savior, think like a witness. What does it look like as we go into this activity, as we go to this place, as I interact with this person, how can I show people what Jesus is like while at the same time looking for opportunities to tell them what he has done for them? You know, it's really cool when you have the mindset of a witness, when you say the Holy Spirit is inside of me, I don't feel like I know what to say to people. I don't feel, I mean, I wish that somebody else was here and they could answer these questions. I, I, I feel kind of nervous, but the Holy Spirit, remember the tornado and then the fire, the Holy Spirit is inside of me and he's gonna empower me to help me show people what Jesus is like and tell them what he's done for them. It's amazing what happens. A cookout isn't just a cookout anymore. It's a chance to be salt and light. Gymnastics practice isn't just gymnastics practice anymore. It's a chance for you to interact with the people around you and to be a blessing to them and to maybe even get to share your faith with them. The neighborhood pool isn't just a neighborhood pool. It's a place for you to build relationships and for you to be salt and light. Vacation isn't just vacation. It's a chance for you while you're experiencing rest to help people around you understand the one who is the Lord of Sabbath rest. Seeing your neighbor in the driveway is not just a chance to be polite. It's a chance to know their name. It's a chance to maybe follow up on something that you've asked them about before. It's a chance to tell them you're praying for them. Okay, so number two, think like a witness. Number three, let the light shine. Be salt and light. Okay, three ways we can do this. Number one, pray. Remember what Jesus said? We're all hyped up, we're ready to go. He's opened our minds to understand the Bible. We know what to say. We've memorized our gospel outline. What should we do? Wait. Why? Because you are not ready to go and be a witness if you're not filled with the Spirit. When we pray, what we're doing is coming before God and saying, Lord, I can't do this. And if you think you can do this, be careful. If you think, I don't know if I can do this, well, God wants to use you. And maybe you're just now getting ready to be used by God. When we pray, we're inviting God to do things that we can't do. If, if we can do it, it's a waste of time to pray. We should just go ahead and do it. If I can save Lori on my own, I don't need to pray for her. I just need to go and, and, and preach at her, right? But I can't. And so I need to pray. I need to ask God, God, please help Tony be able to get to his daughter's preschool graduation. God, please help Lori to experience your presence today. God, please put more Christians in her life and in Tony's life. I pray that nurses and doctors that they're interacting with put your disciples in their path to get to be witnesses to them. Please draw them to you. Help them to understand their need for a savior. Please give me more opportunities to interact with Lori and Tony. I was talking to Ronnie Lau um, a couple weeks ago, and I don't know how many of you remember about this time last year, we challenged you, we challenged us, challenged everybody to come up with three names, the names of three people that you wanna pray for. 
and make this list and pray for them as much as you, as much as you can, as often as you think about them. Well, and you know how that goes. Sometimes we remember stuff. Sometimes we don't remember stuff. Um, but there's a handful of people, including Ronnie and Debbie Wow, who have come up to me several times throughout the past year and said, hey, I'm praying for my three people. Hey, this is a, I had a chance to have a little small talk conversation with my neighbor that I've been praying for. This person's on my list, right? It's happened a few times. And, and um, a couple weeks ago, Ronnie was telling me, man, praise God. One of the people on my prayer list, on our prayer list, our neighbor, I got to have like a 45-minute gospel conversation with them yesterday. Now, how do you think that happened? Ronnie's just an average, ordinary disciple of Jesus. It's the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of God. So we should pray. Second of all, ask questions. There's a book I've been reading recently where the author says, I love this quote. He says, you have never made eye contact with someone whom God doesn't love. You believe that? You have never made eye contact with someone that God doesn't care about, that God doesn't desire to come to know him. How many times when we walk into the coffee shop and we're waiting for our kids at gymnastics practice as we're working out at the gym, you know, we've got our, got our phone out, we've got our, we've got our like, you know, don't talk to me AirPods in, you know, on silent. And I do this all the time too. And we're just kind of in our own, and you just look at this place and it's just like, you know, it's just like a hundred people that are all in their own little bubble, <laughs> you know? These people around you, that person sitting next to you, this is somebody made in the image of God that God cares about, that God loves, and the Holy Spirit wants to empower you to be a witness to them. And what this means, this means not all the time. It's not bad to listen to podcasts or, or whatever. Sometimes, every once in a while, take out your AirPods, put down your phone, and actually engage with the people around you. Ask them a question. Get to know their backstory. Say, hey, how's it been going with, how has work been this past week? And maybe you'll have a chance to ask them like I asked Lori, hey, you know, is any ways I can be praying for you? I have never had somebody get mad at me when I ask them if there's a way I could pray for them. I've asked Muslim people, Hindu people, atheists, how I can pray for them. I said, is it okay, would it be okay if I pray for you about this thing that's going on in your life? And they said, and you could tell that, you know, they don't fully believe in prayer, but they're like, I'll take anything I can get, right? That's not offensive. That's showing love. And, and finally, look for an opportunity to mention your faith. You know, sometimes I think, I, again, I'm not saying like, just you go around saying, all right, go to church. Everybody come to church with me, sounding the trumpet. But that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is sometimes I think in conversations, we like avoid talking about church. Have you experienced that before? Like, hey, you know, on Sunday, like, you, you want to go with us to, to play soccer or pickleball on Sunday morning? Uh, well, um, I've, I've, got, I've got a thing, but the thing will be finished. And then uh, maybe, maybe another day when I don't have said thing, um, I, I might be able to, to do it. And the person's like, what's going on? And again, I'm not saying you broadcast it, that you sound the trumpet, but just like, oh, you know, so I'd love to, but you know, that night um, I, I'm meeting with my life group. 
Oh, what's your life group? Well, it's just people. We get together. We pray. We, we read the Bible together. Oh, that's interesting. I was talking to a guy the other day, this guy who's not a believer, and I just mentioned, I forgot how it came up, but I mentioned something about church. He kind of looked at me. He was not offended at all. This is a younger guy. Uh, I met him at, at the gym, and he just kind of looked at me like you kind of look at somebody that said they listen to records instead of MP3s. He was like, oh, okay. That's kind of, that's like, he's like, oh, I didn't, he didn't say this, but you can tell he's thinking, I didn't realize people still went to church. But, but again, it wasn't, it wasn't like, you bigot, racist, whatever. It wasn't that type of thing. It was, oh, that's, that's interesting. And I actually had the chance to share my faith story with him because he was curious. What, you know, guy like, like you, like, what, what? Tell me about that. And, and so I got to just share my story with him. So mention your faith. Well, I talked about this earlier. Um, what, what we're inviting everybody to do is we want this big, beautiful yellow banner. We want it to just look like a graffiti wall by the end of summer, okay? We, we, want, we want to write down the names of the people, the places, and the activities where, God, where you believe God has placed you, where God is gonna use you through the Holy Spirit to be salt and light. When you get a chance, write those things up here on the banner. My three that I'm gonna write down right now. Um, I'm gonna write down Lori. Up here. <laughs> I need to save space for the people that can't reach that high. Is that what you're saying, Larry? <laughs> okay, okay. So, um, so I'm writing down Lori. I'm writing down the Y, the YMCA. Um, and again, there might be duplicates. Maybe, maybe you have a friend named Lori you wanna pray for. You know, we can have like 10 Lori's up here, that's fine. You know, you, maybe you wanna be salt and light the YMCA, write it again. All right, let's fill this thing up. And then I'm gonna write down the Stonewater Pool. I'm gonna try to not knock this over. The Stonewater Pool, because that's a place that my family and I, we spend a lot of time this summer. What do you guys wanna write up here? Um, we're gonna have this at church. We're gonna have this kind of down on, on, the, on the ground floor right after church. This is gonna be at the picnic after we finish. We're gonna have this up um, for, the next, for the next several weeks. So be praying about it and, and be thinking, be asking God to put on your heart a person, a place, or an activity where he has placed you, not some other new thing you have to go and, and do, but something you're already doing where he can use you to be salt and light and then right up here so we can look at this and we can encourage each other and we can see the areas we're being salt and light and we can pray for each other together. Well, the last thing I wanna say is this. Sometimes I've heard people ask the question, do you want your church to grow? Do you want your church to grow? Do you, are, you, are you hoping, you know, 500 people, that, are you, are, do you want the church to grow? This is my answer. I'm not so much concerned with adding more people to our church. I'm concerned with adding more people to Jesus' kingdom. The dirty little secret of church growth, like I was talking about before, is that most times 
when churches grow, it's not because people are getting saved. It's because people from this church, you know, the pastor said something that offended me, so now I'm over here. Or like, oh, the youth program is better over here. I want, and and it's, it's people kind of going from one church to another. And if, and if, you know, it's not always bad to go to a new church, but that's not what we're interested in. Remember, the, the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. How many of you, by show of hands, raise your hand if you've been a Christian for at least five years? Raise your hand nice and high. Okay, put them down. Raise your hand if you have become a Christian in the last five years. Is there anybody? One. I see two, three. You know what I pray for? I am praying, we are praying, that in 2027, if we were to ask that question, like half of the people in here would say, I've become a Christian in the past five years. And if we kind of got in and heard the stories, and again, praise God for the, you know, I grew up in the church and I walked with Jesus consistently, stories, that's my story, I hope that's the way our kids' stories are gonna be, praise God for those stories. But my hope and my prayer is that in five years, if we kind of get in and talk to people and hear people's stories, we're going to hear a lot of, you know, five years ago, I was a Hindu. Five years ago, I was a Muslim. Five years ago, I was an atheist. Five years ago, I was in the same-sex marriage. Five years ago, I was racked with guilt And I thought nobody, especially not God, would ever love me. But then I met Chloe Ann on the bus. Then my neighbors, Laird and Monica, invited me over for a cookout. Then I started talking to this guy I work with named Matt Shade. Then I played volleyball with Ming Lee. Then I played pickleball with Will Langdon. Then I had this awesome teacher, Mrs. Johnson, or Mrs. Lawrence, or Mrs. Lee, or Mrs. Reagan, or Mr. Reagan, as my teacher. Then I met Clarence and Josephine Q at the pool. And they're just ordinary people. But they told me what Jesus had done for them and what Jesus had done for me. And now I'm a child of God. Heavenly Father, we can't do anything on our own. Please help us. Open our eyes to understand the power that's inside of us. Show us the people around us, the places and the activities where you want to use us to be salt and light. Go with us. Open up conversations. Give us the words. Bring people to yourself for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name.
Amen.